legends once told of a podcast lost now in the sea of time. These ancient recordings spoke of games and the arcane art of HTML5. Today, Jeff Blair and Matt Hackett bring these words back to life. It is lost cast, and may your ears receive it. Welcome to Lost Cast, episode 59. I'm Matt Hackett. And I'm Jeff Blair. How about a, a Wizard's Lizard refresher? Like an update where the game I'm is sure at. I'm sure no one is tired of hearing about a Wizard's Lizard. Well, you're going to keep hearing about it. Now, we'll, <laughs> we'll just do a, a quick, like, uh, get you up to speed in the numbers and how it's doing, and then we'll uh, we'll talk about development or, or Jeff or something. I don't know. We'll yes, talk we about will. your collection of hats. <laughs> I don't even have a collection of hats. You're wearing a hat right now. It's a beanie. Okay, your collection of beanies. You you have a collection of hats. I do. We could talk about my collection of hats. We could talk about the LDG hats. Actually, I could see that someday, couldn't you? Because uh, hats are kind of like a commodity right now. I mean, and stuff like TF2, like everybody's got them, but they're also like, they have some value. Like people pay real money for them. You know? Oh, was they're everywhere and they're valuable. Yeah. We're going to do a hat update. That would be far, far easier if we had chosen a simpler perspective, like just from the That's side. Right. You want to draw each hat from four different perspectives? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. That'd be a smart <laughs> smart thing for our company to work on. That's right. Uh, so we were just talking about how we launched the game uh, less than a week ago. I guess it was six days ago because it was a Wednesday, right? feels like 60 days ago. It does. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> Time has no meaning for me anymore yeah in so many different ways yeah but this is one of them it moves slowly and usually it moves lightning fast but uh anyway we have sold over 600 copies which is um great that's better than we've ever done yes this launch uh i'm pretty pleased with how the launch went just in general i am you know obviously uh, i think we mentioned a couple times on various channels but uh it doesn't the launch hasn't necessarily changed anything financially for us yet no 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 <clears throat> but it's very encouraging. Uh, the sales numbers are good. I mean, it, it's more than we've ever seen from any of our games. So uh, I think that you and I are both happy as long as we are improving every time yeah. we do something. Yeah. We want every game we launch to stand um, on the shoulders of the previous game, and it needs to be at least that much better um, on every regard. Across the board, it needs to be better gameplay and design and graphics and everything but what the the bottom line is it needs to perform better and uh we're we're seeing that we're seeing a slow uptick in interest and sales and and all the important things and we've made i think we've made close to four thousand dollars um just in the last week or two via the humble store yeah from the humble store that's pretty good normally four thousand dollars like that would be i don't know two or three licenses depending on how many games they want mm. and it would take a couple of weeks of integration and that's not even fun work and the, the work on a wizard's lizard is a lot of fun that's true so it's, so, it's I mean, just better in every way uh one thing that we found to be <clears throat> i guess really not all that surprising but uh i didn't really realize the impact it would have is um game streamers game streamers so i we did a lot of press outreach before um we launched a Wizard's Lizard, yep. reached out to some streamers, reached out to some press, and uh, that was about early January. Um, and, you know, obviously, uh, Gregory Love from The Whippering was helping us. Yep. Um, and we had some articles. Uh, we had a, a few high-profile articles, I guess. I wouldn't say high-profile articles. Maybe we had mentions on high-profile sites. It's probably more accurate. Like what? Uh, Kotaku. Um, we had a mention on Kotaku? Not Kotaku, sorry, Joystick. Okay, I was going to say, I didn't see any mention on Kotaku. Joystick, yes. Joystick, also high profile. Yeah. Um, and then a few other sites. We were on IndieGames.com, and et cetera, et cetera. Yep. But uh, it was really interesting. I don't know if we talked about this last time, but <clears throat> I was breaking down the numbers, and it's really interesting where our traffic has been coming from. And by and large, a lot of our traffic has been coming from YouTube and Twitch. Uh, which I think that we kind of, I don't, I don't want to say we expected it, but we had been hearing for a while that streamers are kind of like um, a new, uh, it, it's at that point where it's like taken off, but like the rest of the industry hasn't quite caught on yet. Or maybe it's just that they're flying so low underneath the radar. Cause you know, like, I don't know if a company like EA would really benefit from the numbers that we're seeing, but it's in that sweet yeah. spot where it's like, it's, a, it's obtainable. 
uh, and also really beneficial. It's great for indies, and I mean, I think that yeah. you know some indies have have known about this for a while because there's like Pixel Prospectors, big list of YouTubers, and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. So no, this is not like brand new news, but it is kind of at that point where it's like you can still take advantage of it. You don't you don't yet get lost in that sea. Yeah, we've actually had uh, streamers reach out to us, which is you know a really lot. cool. They want to they want to play our game. They're coming to our door. Yeah, that <laughs> so. that like we were talking about how. Um, that just does not happen. Like Kotaku is never going to email us at this, at least at this stage, and be like, "Hey, we care about your game." No, they don't care. They don't care. Like everything <laughs> comes to them, you know. Right. But the streamers, they're like, they're so great, man. That they're they're entrepreneurial. They're go getters. They're eager. They have like, they have this this just massive amount of time they need to fill because you look at most of these streamers and like, we we've seen a lot of hobbyists and stuff, but like the guys who are doing it professionally, they're they have schedules like full-time jobs. They have like five days a week, eight hours a day of streaming. Oh, yeah. And like, like they need, yeah, they need a game that's interesting to watch for like 40 hours. hours. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, in our game, luckily for us, it, it fits in that category, or at least it will by the time we're done adding content to it. <laughs> yeah, it does now. I mean, there's been several people that have streamed the game for hours on end and yeah. really enjoyed it. <clears throat> I, saw I also wanted to say somebody... that... Uh, oh, go ahead. I was to say that, that not only does the YouTube and, and Twitch streamer uh, generate more traffic. Uh, but it seems to convert better. Yeah, it does. It's uh, I because of that, that word of mouth. Uh, yeah, it's like if you're watching someone play a game and they're having a good time, you know, you're watching them have a good time and they're like, yeah. oh man, this is so intense or I'm running and I got this cool weapon. It's yeah. so much more impactful than like, you know, someone who's just reading an article, browsing an article. Like the fans of the streamers are much more engaged Right. Than joystick readers yeah and like um there have been studies and, and stuff but like the the most powerful um way to, to get someone to buy a game is word of mouth and that speaks true for me too you know like uh, i could read a, a bunch of reviews and they're all like nine ten stars amazing or whatever you know uh that doesn't speak as loudly as, as say you or like someone else else i respect like my brother being like this game's awesome you'd love it go buy it you know like that that's almost a guaranteed sale right there word of mouth mm. is very very strong and a lot of these people um it's kind of like the podcast you know like you spend a lot of time um listening to someone and like you know communicating with them e even in like a, a minimal way and you start to feel like some friendship some kinship you know you feel like you know them and like i'm sure the streamers have the same kind of things where like like dude I, I basically feel like i hung out with you yesterday for four hours while you were playing you know hopefully it was a lizard or something Right, and I was yeah. like, it was great. And it's, now I respect you. And when you send me a recommendation, I'm going to listen. I noticed that the streamers are really good about engaging the community. Um, at least the more popular ones. They uh, got to be. I watched a few of them do some streams. Uh, we were actually in a stream with uh, Cobalt Streak. Yep. He did a stream of a Wizard's Lizard, and we were hanging out in the dev or in the chat just talking to, uh, to people. Um, but he was like, you know, people would say hi in the chat, and he would make a point to say hi to them on on the stream and you know he was talking back and forth to people and yeah he was a really interesting guy um very entertaining as well i'm seeing um some best practices like i've been kind of wondering for a while what is it that sets one streamer apart from another because like from what i've seen they're all just dudes who play games and stream it you know there's nothing like that we're missing they're not like oh you know i'm uh I'm, I'm the prince of nigeria or something it's, it's like there's nothing else there they're not like they don't have any fame <laughs> claim to fame in any other way you know there's right. just people who uh who stream and i've been wondering like why does this person have a hundred thousand followers and this person has five you know like part of it's going to be it's... that they spend a long time building up their audience right but there's also these best practices that i've seen emerging and that includes like you've got your stream so you've got the gameplay you're streaming but you also see the streamer themselves in the corner and a lot of times you'll see them with a the green screen, so you don't see any, you know, like a little rectangle. You see, you see just a person. Yeah, it looks. A lot of them have pretty professional setups, uh, yeah. green screens, nice headsets, etc. Yeah, I think uh, it's also about cultivating a personality. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I think it's like any other kind of performance-related industry, right? Like comedians, let's say. Yeah. You know, um, you got to have a screen presence, essentially. Yeah, you do. You, you need to be entertaining. The uh, Cobalt Streak actually has these uh, hats he wears. Which seems like such a small thing. We were just talking about hats, actually. But um, he, like, swapped out his, you know, Mega Man hat for a Splunky hat or something. 
And uh, that's just, it's just like a visual refresher, you know, and like you could, you can play with that. You can be like, hey, everybody vote on one hat I should wear next. And that's just a fun little thing to do, you know? Yeah, it's like a little quirky aspect uh, that kind of sets them apart, I think. Yeah. Um, in Cobalt's uh, stream as well, whenever he got a new subscriber, um, he had some kind of program running that would detect that. And it would like put the user's name in the middle of the screen. And he'd have to like pause it because he couldn't th- he couldn't even see what he was doing anymore. But like these graphics would rain down, and it was very celebratory. And he was like, "Yay, new subscriber!" And, and like, he, that's an incentive for that, you know? Because like, it's like I made that that stuff rain down on the screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's like, oh, cool! I want to do that. I want to participate. You know, it's like it's another reason outside of obviously just I want to keep in touch with this person and see what they're up to or whatever. Right. Um, Cobalt Streak also was accepting donations and it seems like, um, seems like you can subscribe. I haven't actually done that, of course, but like, it's like five bucks a month or something to subscribe. And I guess that gets you no ads or something, or maybe chat. I think it gets you special. Yeah. Chat permissions or something. Chat permissions. Yeah. Um, I was, uh, I joined another streamers chat and I wasn't even able to chat at all, uh, without subscribing. Oh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That makes sense. I also was, we actually have an upcoming stream, um, by a pretty, well-known streamer i think uh lethal frag yeah uh he'll be streaming at wizard's lizard on friday you know last time i made a facebook events i had nobody there i think i'm just gonna stop doing that but we need a better way to be like hey we have an event happening you know because this lethal frag thing it's um i don't know if it'll be on youtube or not it's it's 8 p.m pst on friday we'll post about it on the forums for sure but yeah, uh, yeah i don't know if facebook i mean obviously like i, I have mixed feelings about facebook because mm-hmm and it's a large audience, but I don't know if it is our audience. Yeah. I mean, but I think that we prefer Twitter in general, but they don't really have a uh, calendaring <laughs> no. application. <laughs> Nor should they. I have very strong nah. opinions about that, too. Yeah, one, of my, one of my primary reasons for hating Facebook is that it tries to do too much. I don't want, I don't want you to manage my entire life. That's, that's Google. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's what I was thinking of earlier. Um, so... Th- I guess they, the way that you can stream full-time is you build up an audience, you get people to subscribe for like five bucks a month, but then also they accept donations. And actually somebody gave Cobalt Streak a hundred bucks while I was watching. Oh yeah, and I That's that. just fascinating to me. It's like, hey man, I just, I want to support you keep playing games all day. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? That's, that's people's jobs now. That's such a, I can't believe that's a job just to play games and, and be entertaining and social. That's, that's amazing. Can you imagine if, if that had been a thing while you were like in your teens? Right? I was thinking about that. I would have been all over that. There's so many like avenues now that you could explore. Back when I was in my teens, I was like, I'm looking for this programming book. <laughs> I can't find it. I, I went to the college bookstore. I couldn't find it. These days, it's like, what? <laughs> what do you mean you can't find a book? Are you crazy? <laughs> I can find like, any what do you book even I want, want a book for? Yeah, I don't even need a book. I got a hundred books right here. I got a Kindle. It's got a million books on it. Shut up. That's lighter than any other book. It was the Stone Age. Yes. But yeah, there's so much information. There's so much opportunity. There's there's so much like I don't know, so much potential, and it's and it's crazy. And like the people who are streaming now, they're I feel like they're at the forefront. Like we've only just begun to see the success that they can have. You know. Yeah. Crazy. Well, it really says something when people can do it as a legitimate nine to fiver, essentially. Yeah. Like sustainable and like that's that's money. It's a great relationship for uh, indie gamers and streamers um, because is. another way that streamers can set themselves apart is by playing, <clears throat> you know, kind of unique niche games that no one's ever seen before. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure everybody and their mother is streaming Call of Duty, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. I don't know if their uh, mothers would be streaming Call of Duty. It might be like... Um, your mother doesn't play Call of Duty? No, it might be a cooking mama or something. <laughs> Oh, this other guy, Lethal Frag. Um, apparently, once a week, he does a cooking cast. Yeah. So, I, I thought that was another really interesting kind of like, you know, quirky uh, thing that sets him apart from other streamers. Tell me you haven't thought about it, Jeff. Oh, I have. I've thought I was about just it. telling you earlier today about uh, a dinner I made last night. Yeah. It was a pork tenderloin wrapped in prosciutto. Uh, Jeff and I both are kind of into cooking. It's not, I don't know. I've never actually like taken a class on it or anything. Your your girlfriend has obviously. Um, but it's more like I really like, I, we're creative people. We like to create things, you know. I like to put my stamp on stuff. And uh, I also have particular tastes, you know. So I like to make things that, I don't know. You like to always, eat? Yeah, I like to eat. And uh, anyway, yeah, I've, I've thought about it. Like we, we both really like breakfast sandwiches. And I've thought about like, you know, a blog post. Where we, 
<laughs> yeah. Talk about, I really don't know what that has to do with game <clears throat> development or games. Here's how to make a perfect breakfast sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Like I would read it, but I don't know. Also buy our games. <laughs> Anybody else in our audience would read it. It's also interesting to me too, because um, you and I have the exact same taste about certain things, but it's just a little different, right? Because like we both love, I mean, obviously games and JavaScript and the same types of games. games and all that. Uh, and, and likewise, we both like breakfast sandwiches, but you like um, savory breakfast sandwiches and I like sweet breakfast sandwiches. Yes. So yeah, you'll have one that's like, it's basically meat and bread and like cheese and like all of the meat in the world. And then my breakfast sandwich will be like, uh, that's French toast bread and I'll actually right. like put syrup in the batter and it's, it's crazy good. Anyway, so, uh, I always think that's interesting where we're like, we're on the same page, but not the same part of the page. Right. <laughs> we're on the same chapter. Yeah. Different page. <laughs> yeah. Love it. <clears throat> it's uh, really interesting because uh, Melissa went to culinary school and she, uh, for baking and patisserie. So she's, she's more about baking and like treats and stuff like that. And then I do like, you know, pan frying. Like I like to make like entrees. You make the meal, she makes the dessert. Basically, yeah. There you go. Match made in heaven. Pretty much. So, um, now that we're past the food part, oh, the obligatory food part of the show, <laughs> I think we've replaced all of our Spelunky chat with uh, food chat. Maybe not. You you failed to not mention Spelunky once again. Oh, dang it. It's been a while, actually. We haven't actually had Let's a see. real talk about it. We should have a running count. 16 minutes it took you to mention Spelunky. <laughs> yeah. Let's see, um, see if we can go for 20 minutes next time. Yeah. So so we're at uh, 79% towards the top 100 in Steam Greenlight, up from 51% last week. So that shows um, a lot of potential there. Um, we, again, we had a huge spike uh, based on streamers. Yeah, and we think that'll happen again this weekend. But I don't, I don't know. I, I'm always leery of getting my hopes up because they're so easily trampled. <laughs> I'm like, I expect good things to happen. Oh, <laughs> I'm so sad. Oh, it didn't happen. Okay. Um, but anyway, that's going well. Uh, one thing this, even just the first week of launch has taught us, like, in the, I think in the back of both of our minds, we were kind of like, okay, we're going to launch this and no one's going to play it and we need to work on the next game because the next game's always going to be, hopefully, like, in order of magnitude, better than the last game. So, like, we know that your first, your first five or ten games are all going to be crap, you know? Uh, but this week... Uh, has taught us that like i think we're going to keep working on a wizard's lizard for a while i think we just need to get it out there to validate the uh all the time we spent on it yeah well that like uh, working in a vacuum is only something you could do for so long i think yeah um not that we were working in a vacuum we had beta testers and stuff like that and a lot of feedback from the community but but it, it wasn't a real world test yeah, and nothing like actually getting it out there for the general public and getting people's honest feedback. And I think that it's been really interesting because uh, the response to Wizards Lizard has been, I would say, overwhelmingly positive. So, I don't know about overwhelmingly. I, I would say <laughs> the nuance of language. I would say largely positive. When I say overwhelmingly, I mean like 80%. Mm, yeah, I you, don't know. You don't agree with that? I don't know. We, we've started to see... Uh, we've recently seen some crappy comments finally come on the green light campaign. It wasn't like Lava Blade where it was like... But those are like... I would say there's like five bad comments out of 200 some odd comments. Like that's a fraction. That's true. That's true. I think that you let negative comments overly uh, influence your opinion. I don't want to uh, see any negative comments. I want to see right. everyone go, this <laughs> is the, the best thing ever. impressive game I've ever laid my eyes on. <laughs> I don't know. I... Um, Maybe. Maybe I focus on the negative. I don't know. Perhaps you're I think right. that if you just look at the numbers, uh, the negative to positive ratio is, is pretty good. That's good. Unless you're looking at the yes to no ratio of the Steam Greenlight votes. But, I think if nothing else, I just I want to work on the next game just so that we can stop the Binding of Isaac comparisons. <laughs> I, th- th- those, t- those are my sore spot. You poke the, and I'm like, just do some research. Play a classic game. Go play Legend of Zelda. Have yes. you not played the first Legend of Zelda? Is that not a thing people do anymore? Nobody remembers that not, game? Honestly. But it's a <clears throat> classic. It's important. It's an important game. You need to realize where like okay. <laughs> Zelda set the standard. <laughs> it's like where everything came from. 
I, you know? I definitely agree with you, but uh, lately I've been feeling like the binding of eyes in comparison is actually beneficial to us because, you know, we kind of had talked about this before about how people use like other games and other genres as ways to communicate. Yeah. You know, we were talking about like, you know, the problem with game design and, and is like, you know, we don't really have the, the right kind of language to communicate. But yeah. at the same time, it also, <clears throat> that conveys in, in a couple sentences a very dense amount of information about the game. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of people that like Binding of Isaac. And most of the comments that I've seen regarding Binding of Isaac have generally been, oh, this is like Binding of Isaac plus some other little weird aspect, either Lizard or Death or yeah, Rogue Legacy style progression or something. And like, I'm going to buy this. Yeah. You know? I mean, we have seen a lot of those, especially on Greenlight. There's been probably dozens of comments that were along the lines of like, it looks like Isaac except it's got a Lizard main character. I'm sold. Right. Or like another Binding of Isaac type game. I'm sold. Like that. that that's good. Um, but what I hate to see is like, this was clearly influenced by Binding of Isaac. And I'm like, it's just not true. So it makes me twitch. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I mean, again, like that's like two or three comments out of several hundred. Sure. But it's I surfacing think, uh, up. Like, I think a lot of people think that and that, that irks me. They may might. Yeah. But uh, if you think about it, if comments are, you know, a fraction of the people that actually view it, uh, then you could actually say that the comments probably reflect public opinion. Yeah. Uh, just as equally. So there's probably more people that enjoy the comparison that don't say anything than people that dislike it. I did that appreciate that uh, Cobalt Streak was like, he was not, not hearing any of that. Like in yeah. his stream, people would be commenting about something like, oh, it looks like an Isaac clone or something. And he's like, you guys, it's a genre, all right? It's a type of game. I like it a lot. Why can't you love all indie games? It's just very positive. Yeah, and he makes a lot of good points too. Like, you know, all games are kind of similar in some regard to some other games. I mean, not that there's not any innovation, but there's a lot of overlap between lots of games and there's a lot of genres that are defined that people like to play and they want to see more of those games. And, you know, uh, his point was like, you should just be appreciative that there's more of games that you like to play. The, yeah, the, the biggest mistake I think we made with The Witcher's Lizard is that we didn't realize it was it was three things in common with Isaac. One is the art style, which that's just a coincidence. Over the years, that's just where I've gone. It's just simple shapes and uh, small numbers of colors. <clears throat> Two is the fact that we combined Zelda and Spelunky. And like we should have picked up earlier that there was another game that combined Zelda and Spelunky and has cartoony graphics. And we should have <laughs> we should have recognized that and pivoted before it was too late and we already had too much work on it that's that's really the bottom line and uh that's going to be the frustration of a wizard lizard for me for as long as it exists probably perhaps i don't know though i mean but if the all those things had changed maybe it wouldn't be getting the traction that's getting now you know because maybe, maybe yeah. people would be like i don't have anything to compare it to so therefore i don't know anything about it so i don't care i mean i'm just you know hypothetically yeah we have seen a lot of uh it'll is it it'll do little do yeah, it'll do. It'll do. Uh, That's a really a interesting of... comparison to me too, because uh, I've played it'll do on on Ouya, and it's a very very different game. I haven't uh, I haven't played that one. I don't really know much about it. I th I've seen like it's got some decent coverage. I think I think it was an RPS, and it looks like kind of kind of a cartoony Zelda style. With, with yeah, more puzzles. it's it's a lot more Zelda three ish than a Wizard's Lizard is. I don't what? think it's a roguelike at all. <laughs> Uh, a Wizard Lizard is, is very Zelda 3. I mean, Well, yes, but like, this is like, it's like a larger overworld, story-driven puzzle mechanics kind of RPG. Ah, I see. You mean, okay, yeah. Uh, I guess style-wise uh, and individual element design-wise, A Wizard's Lizard is a lot like Zelda 3, but, um, and we're going to get some flack for it, I'm sure. So we're talking about The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past, <laughs> and, and we talk about it so much that we don't say that because that is a mouthful. <laughs> we it say Zelda 3. Too, much, too many words. Zelda 3. Words we are, might even start uh, saying Z3. What about that? Z3. There's a car we, called a Z3. Even more cryptic. You would know that. Did our, did our podcast listeners know that you used to be, a, what do you call people? like People like you. A machine <laughs> head or something? Like People who I, are way into cars and like chroming them up and... Gearhead, I guess. I don't know. Gearhead, yeah. Jeff. When I was a teenager, yeah, I was. Uh, I, I wasn't like so into it. I was kind of like. I guess I would call myself kind of a poser. I was like. 
I was like in, like ankle deep in it. <laughs> I would call myself a poser. That's like failing at life. <laughs> well, I, I was interested in it, but like I didn't have the money, you know, yeah, or the resources. I, when you're younger, you don't have any money. So I was just like, I wanted to be into that scene, but I, I, I could only ever afford to be like ankle deep in it because like modding cars is really expensive. Yeah. You're like, uh, I got a new bumper. It was yeah, 200 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> took me two weeks to save up for it. Check it out, ladies. <laughs> right. Who wants a ride? <laughs> and it falls off. <laughs> clunk, clunk. Yikes. Uh, that was just yes. really surprising to me because, uh, I don't know. I mean, the Jeff Blair that I know is uh, <clears throat> you're a dorky programmer. And you're like, yeah, I used to be way into like cool cars, big engines. And I'm like, what? Go go type on your keyboard, nerd. I wasn't even into big cars. I was into like uh, rice rockets. I don't, I don't even know what that means. You're using terminology now. It's crazy to me. Like uh, Japanese and like Hondas and Acuras and like instead oh, of like Ford that, and Chevy. Vaguely racist? Yes, it is vaguely racist. <laughs> so our apologies. <laughs> Jeez, I didn't even pick up what that was supposed to mean. Yikes. I'm I, glad I, I've never I, heard that term before. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny it is a pretty uh general term i guess i didn't i didn't realize it was potentially offensive so i apologize I, i've had words like that pop up on my radar before and i've even used them and then someone explained to me the meaning and i'm like oh <laughs> i hate that because like i'm never trying to offend anyone and if i am right. i'm like i'm kidding i'm just trying to poke you a little bit but i right. never <laughs> yeah anyway words stupid yes. language Anyways, uh, hey yes. cars everybody that's right. <laughs> the car show car cast <laughs> <laughs> funnily um, enough uh i am actually um we're working on a, a contract game um oh, kind yeah, of a small little thing uh it's a racing game yeah which is so unusual it, for us i love these games is, that we wouldn't work on normally like like midtown mayhem um and then uh i guess that was our fault we had pretty free range there but the but yeah this car racing game like we wouldn't make a car racing game right now if we weren't being paid to do probably it. not <laughs> but uh it's actually pretty fun because, um, I don't know, uh, we talked about this a little bit, but I was a huge like Road Rash fan um, yeah, growing man. up on Genesis. Road Rash 3 was like one of my all-time favorite games. So if you're not familiar, this is a game on Sega Genesis. I'm sure this was in the 80s, maybe early 90s. Uh, actually, I guess it must have been early 90s. <coughs> that was definitely 80s. Well, well the, the no, Genesis man. came out in like 91, right? Shut up, Matt. <laughs> anyway i'm sure someone will correct us in the comments <laughs> in the forum <laughs> you guys are so stupid don't you look up anything on wikipedia it was a different year anyway um, we don't have anyway, the, we don't have the internet we don't have the internet it, it was a racing game on genesis it was loads of fun and it was and you were on a motorcycle and it was very hilly and you had like a chain you could whip <laughs> your people that you're racing against with and that was that was very novel at the time because most racing games were, were basically just cars, you know, and it was pretty clean. It was like you could hit a tree or something, but like Road <laughs> road Rash was dirty. I'm like, whoa, yeah. like I don't like this driver. I can just beat him with a like a two by four with a nail in it. That's pretty yeah. rad. I think it's the same reason that I don't like sports games, but I loved Mutant League football. Yeah, dude. I actually it's backed like, that project on Kickstarter from a couple months oh. ago. I meant to send this to you, but there's a, uh, it's actually already funded on Kickstarter, but there's a game called Road Redemption, Road Redemption. Um, which is a, I guess it's, it's already been greenlit too. Um, oh, it's wow. releasing. How'd they pull that off? This summer, I guess. Um, but anyways, Redemption. yeah, it's a spiritual successor to Road Rash. Road Redemption. Road Redemption. Is That's a pretty called. weak name. Uh, not that I get to, <laughs> it's not that I get to say that, uh, working at LDG. <laughs> uh, we were talking. <laughs> We not that you can say that, but you're good anyway. <laughs> we just yesterday, I think it was. I was sending you uh, name ideas for a road a road rash clone, and I was like, I was "Yours were for clearly sy- worse." <laughs> <laughs> I was looking for synonyms of road rash, like like literal ones. Right. <laughs> it was like <laughs> street sore, <laughs> uh, interstate infection. It's kind of a stretch. But what was, it was the other one? You know, something about herpes. Rash. Oh, it was a highway herpes. Highway herpes. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I, w- I w- took some liberties with rash, I guess. Like, <laughs> yes, yes, I think that you did. <laughs> anyway, um, definitely, <clears throat> clearly, we should have been the ones to name Road Redemption. <laughs> um, that's interesting, though. I, I would uh, play a game like that. 
they had a really cool trailer too there was this one part in the trailer where it's like uh he went off this jump on a hill and he had this katana in his hand and it's like there's two bikes like going off this jump and he just like slices the other guy's head off midair wow pretty cool slow-mo maybe yeah that sounds pretty fun yeah so uh, yeah anyways so you were working on um the racing game and you prototyped something that was a little more like um micro machines Um, yeah it's kind of been interesting uh this contract because we have it needs to be a racing game and it needs to adhere to a few parameters it's got to work on mobile and some other things yeah um but we actually have some flexibility with regards to the kind of presentation of the game the parameters are interesting and like we've talked before about how we're better with limitations which are basically parameters i guess and um the parameters are like you know a to b and racing and some other uh things we have to get in there and uh i feel like the speed runs we've done um like the indie game speed runs and the um you know where we make a game in 48 hours that's yeah. been good practice because you get an element in a theme like you have these kind of parameters and now we have these different parameters and we're used to we're used to dealing with parameters so it's like we're accustomed to it this is going to almost be like a game jam because we have loose parameters and we're going to wait till the last minute to get it done <laughs> well, you've been working on it for a while now. You've been prototyping and making sure that we... Um, actually, it's it's a mobile-specific contract, so you've been um, working with Pixie to make sure it's fast because our renderer, while fine, is not the quickest. No, it's, it's not super slow, but um, it could definitely use some optimization. And it's actually... Uh, our canvas like rendering methods aren't always the bottleneck. Uh, I mean, they are in some cases, but... Our scene graph is a little bit too heavy, I think. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the time um, is spent kind of just iterating over the scene graph. Because um, so, there's actually two passes that go over the scene graph engine right now. And it's one that takes the tick and updates everything to the scene graph. Oh, wait, no, they're actually on the same iteration. But anyways, uh, there's basically two methods, one that's ticking and one that's um, rendering. And it goes through all the children of both. Oh, so I guess there is kind of true traversals through the scene graph every single frame. Yeah. So that's bad. So um, bear with me here. This is, I got a little story. I remember when I got my first programming job, this must have been 2004 or three. I don't know, who knows? It was ages ago. Back in the Stone Ages when I was working at School Center on PHP. When you're carving PHP into stone tablets. <laughs> <laughs> I had to make a fire and then I, I did smoke signals and the computer read the smoke symbols. It was binary. Hey. Okay. Uh, anyway, I um, I knew how to program. I'd made a couple websites, but like I had no... I, I'd taken some CS classes and that kind of crap too, but I didn't have a lot of education on programming. And I also, like, I was I grew up in a void, like a vacuum. I had one friend in the world who programmed that I could talk to, and he moved away when I was like 16 or something. So for the next this like eight years... This is a sad years, story. Shut up. <laughs> it ended well. Um, okay. Anyway, I didn't have like a good grasp of the terminology and the language and that kind of stuff. So when I started working professionally, that's when you're like on, you know, and, and people would be like, oh, no problem. Just create a hash table. And like at the time, I'd never heard of a hash table. You're like, Isn't that crazy to think about? I knew what yeah. it was and I was using them all the time. I was like, what are they talking about? <laughs> yeah, I'll use a hash table. No problem. And then you go fake it, you know. Right. Like Google existed back then, even though I, I Google hash table and it's like, uh, let's ask, let's ask the database. I don't know what that means. Here's an article that's on GeoCities. GeoCities. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that bad, but like, anyway, I've noticed the terminology. Like when you said scene graph, I wanted to make sure everybody understood that. Cause like, I remember when we were first working on games, it was the kind of a similar thing where we like, we hadn't been working in this industry. We didn't have a lot of game development friends. So uh, we didn't know what a scene graph was. We, we were talking about like parent child relationships with views, you know, and we actually right. had what we were calling a scene graph because we th- we've heard that term before. And it was really like a way to manage scenes, meaning like here's the title scene where we show the titles, you know, the, the logo, right. and you can select some options. And then here's the player select scene where you can select your character, right? Right. Um, so we kind of we over badly time, misused language. Yeah, it was like aggressively bad because other developers would be like, what are these guys talking about? They're using the wrong word, you know? <laughs> That just um, makes anyway. us look dumb. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's good to like know that we've moved forward a little bit in that regard. You know, the language is getting better. We know what a scene graph actually is. So uh, anyway, just to, 
just to explain, a scene graph is like, um, so what we have is a view is what we call it, but it's basically like if you've made games at all, it's probably like a sprite, but it's basically like any anything that's going to get rendered on the screen. We'll have like different types of views. There's like a text view. So this is a view that renders text, that kind of thing, right? And when you have a scene graph, what that means is you can have children inside of the of uh, other views. <clears throat> and that's useful for a lot of reasons. Like think about, you know, I'm sure a lot of our fan base are web developers. So think about placing a div, you know, relatively inside of another div. It's that same kind of a thing. It's actually, it was modeled very similarly after like the DOM hierarchy. Yeah, uh, that's not surprising because, you know, yeah. web developer. Hey. Hey. <laughs> yeah. So but, uh, Pixie has a scene graph, but it's it better does. and faster than ours, and it falls back to WebGL. Well, or, it falls back to Canvas, and it will use back, WebGL. Yeah. It prefers WebGL if it wants to, right. yeah, or if yeah. it can. Um, yeah, and it's also it's faster, and um, it's maintained by somebody else, which is <laughs> your favorite big, thing about it. Yes, you know, once <laughs> upon a time, uh, I mean, I, I think we both have this kind of like not invented here syndrome to a certain yeah. extent. And by a certain extent, I mean it's a crippling addiction. <laughs> it's it's getting better though. There's signs of of a cure. Well, it's it's interesting. It's kind of like delegating. I don't think I'm very good at delegating either. But <clears throat> it's like uh, at a certain point, you know that you can't move fast enough unless you rely on other people in some capacity. Either you're like a team lead and you need to delegate things to people so that you can work on other stuff, or uh, in this case, like, you know, I'm essentially delegating the rendering and the audio to Pixie and Howler. Yep. Uh, so I don't have to worry about it because uh, it takes less time for me. And then I can focus on the stuff that is more important or be that I really enjoy doing, like right. um, entity component, game engine design and stuff like that. Yeah. Fun so, stuff. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I have been really enjoying Pixie so far. There's a little bit of getting used to because it's a little different than uh, than ours. And so it's like trying to map things I used to be able to do very easily. Yeah. Uh, I can't do as easily, but you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good trade-offs. I was impressed you were able to integrate it with Jin as fast as you did. Um, yeah. I mean, Jin is actually, it was pretty well designed actually. Like the cruftiest part of Jin is our scene graph and our view hierarchy. And, uh, when I kind of started, you know, what I'm loosely referring to is Jin three. Right. Uh, I basically just nuked our entire rendering pipeline and I kept all of the, you know, kind of standalone utilities, simulation code, um, audio stuff, things like that. Like basically anything that wasn't rendering, mm-hmm. uh, I just kept and everything else I nuked. And I think that really says a lot that, you know, we designed Jin at least uh, in a very kind of siloed modular sent, uh, way from the beginning. Yeah. It was pretty easy. Nice. So all I did is I just created another class that instead of instantiating like view hierarchies, it instantiates uh, a pixie scene stage. What is it so, called? So I mean, the downside is is that it's like not as full featured. <laughs> is it a scene stage? New a scene pixie stage. scene stage. <laughs> <laughs> how how does actually, it work in pixie? There, there's a scene, and that's just a view. No, like there's sorry. There's or? no. There's no such thing as a scene. It's uh. There's the stage. Basically, the the main components are the stage and uh the renderer and the and then like various things that go inside of the stage like a sprite or a tiling sprite or what a about spine like text does pixie do that stuff too yeah it does text as well nice so all of those things kind of inherit from this base class called display object mm-hmm. um which is essentially our view which is called the display object and it can have children and it can be toggled visible or not visible and it can be positioned on the screen and blah 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 and so then just like our view sprite you know we had a sprite that was a subclass of view and they have a sprite that's a subclass of display object nice um so there's a lot of similarities actually uh which makes it pretty easy i think the biggest uh thing i've run into so far is they don't have any kind of automatic depth sorting for for their display objects um, so you have but, to apply like a Z value yourself? Yeah. That's not the worst thing ever. No, it's not. And I understand that it's tricky because our Z sorting in Gen uh, <laughs> was often a source of performance frustrations. So so there was, um, I won't say who it was, but you can probably guess. We, we were working somewhere and uh, the the sorting code was like, 
weird. Um, they wanted to just sort the objects as they were. And <clears throat> so I think in order to do that, it uses two string. Right? Am I, right. What am I thinking of here? Anyway, um, basically Well, they overwrote like, the two string method to return a string that was essentially a stringified number representing the Z index. The Z index combined um, with the index, the normal index in which it was created. Right, yeah. <laughs> so it was like this, I don't know, it was kind of a big hack. Uh, but it worked, and I was like, "Really, that works?" Anyway, there's like the 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 Z sorting thing is a surprisingly hard problem. It's and it's so just done in DOM, right? You just say change the Z, right. new Z, please. But there's probably a lot going on in the hood too. Like, oh yeah, uh, with actual sorting. I mean, that was kind of one of our issues. Is that first, you know, my first pass at it was it was resorting every frame, and then I made it so that, that whenever you change the Z or added a child, it would kind of mark. Uh, that thing is dirty. And then the next time it ran an update loop, it would resort the Z. Right. Um, but that still ran almost every frame in situations where you're adding and removing a lot of children, you know, every frame. It's like which when you have particles. Yeah, which we do a lot. Yeah, like particles and you have bullets firing. I mean, essentially an object is getting created or destroyed every single frame. And so uh, that basically led back to the same situation, which is that you're sorting your objects by Z every single frame. Interesting. So what do you think we're going to do about that problem with Pixie? Um, I'll just have to write some manual code that does some depth sorting. I mean, it won't be that bad. Great. So uh, you were making the game at first. You're prototyping it uh, kind of like uh, Spy Hunter or Micro Machines. And if you're not familiar, they're like top down, like very top down. Um, We're like, you know, you, you... the road is just laid out there. Bird's eye view. On a, yeah, on a 2D surface. There's no like slant like there is in a wizard's lizard. It's it's like straight top down. And that was pretty fun. You had in some physics where you could like, you, you turn and it's like, you don't turn on a dime. You kind of like, like a real car would, you know, like the front wheels turn and the back wheels are. Oh, it's really interesting. I almost want to put the article in the show notes. I'll maybe I'll send you a link. But uh, what I hit upon was this guy who was talking about how to simulate the physics of cars and he basically broke it down to like the car is like a bicycle. You don't need to simulate all four wheels. You only need to simulate a wheel in the front and the wheel in the back. Yeah. And you draw it like a car, but it kind of acts more like a motorcycle or a bicycle in terms of like one wheel or, you know, two wheels rather. Yeah. I, that for a 2d game, at least the kind that we're making, we would never need four wheels, but two right. does add this extra feeling to it. It's pretty interesting stuff. Uh, I, I really got into the car physics stuff so the car physics stuff was a lot of fun, um, but I just the overhead stuff like really never sat all that well with me. Just because uh, one direction was kind of taking it more like spy huntery, mm-hmm. and that's fine. But you know, at the same time, like I feel like those kind of games are a dime a dozen. You know, yeah, and, like, and you kind of want guns. I don't know. Yeah, that was the other thing is like with that kind of perspective, like you really want like something else going on the screen besides just moving back and forth, right? The thing is, like, we've both played so many games like that, and when you don't have guns and the ability to blow stuff up, it's, you just, you think of the games where you do, and you're like, I think I'd rather be playing that one. I don't know, maybe we just like explosions. Right. Uh, and then, uh, so after deciding not to really go the Spy Hunter route, I decided to try out the Micro Machines route, but the Micro Machines route is kind of tough because it essentially implies, like, omnidirectional driving. Which the physics I created were great for, but the screen sizes for mobile make it kind of not ideal because I think like, you know, back in the Micro Machines days, you're working with like more of a square screen, right? It's more like a four four to three ratio or something. Yeah. Um, and so that's actually great because then your car is in the middle and like you can see all around yourself. But with a mobile game, you know, in portrait, you can't really see on the sides. And if it's landscape, you can't really see up and down. And so uh, I was kind of having some like designer's block essentially with like trying to figure out like what the best way to kind of do level generation would be uh in that kind of a game and then i got this other wild hair at my butt to uh you can say ass on last cast can i i think so because uh, you can say donkey another word for donkey (laughs) or is it ass i had a wild hair at my donkey yeah that works (laughs) go with it (laughs) (laughs) anyways uh there was about a year ago, I guess, maybe two years ago at this point, but there was this uh, this guy, his name is Jake Gordon, who wrote this uh, series of tutorials about 
making an outrun style game in JavaScript. And uh, he uses like these great resources um, about you know 3D projection in a or 2D projection in a 3D world or of a 3D world. Um, and basically, if you're not familiar with Outrun, um, it's more like a road rash perspective. If you're not familiar with that, it's like uh, you're kind of behind the car. It's what's called pseudo 3D. You're behind the car and you're looking down the road. Mm-hmm. And I really like that um, because it's a much more interesting perspective for a racing game. Yeah, it definitely is. You can see more of the road. You can see more of the road. The curves and stuff are more interesting, and um, it's just inherently more fun to drive in than a top-down, I think. Sans weapons, obviously. That'll be subjective, but I I do think that it's, in general, it's closer to simulating what racing is actually like. Right. Um, Well, the thing with Spy Hunters, I feel like Spy Hunters really just, like, it's like an airplane-style scrolling shooter with cars. Pretty much, yeah. It doesn't even feel like racing. There's no driving physics. You know, it's not It's not a racing game. It's a shooter game with a car skin. Yeah. I think in a racing game, too, it's really important that it's fun just to travel. Just just while you're moving, you're having a great time. And with a game, yeah. like, I mean, with no hazards, nothing in your way, you're just watching graphics scroll by. And I think and that this, that's much easier to accomplish with a pseudo 3D game. It is. I mean... Especially like um, there's hills and curves and like just going over the hills like you just kind of like you roll the camera rolls with the hills and like you kind of go around these turns and it feels really fun and the illusion of speed is much better with this perspective. Right. Yeah. Illusion of speed. I like that. Um, Because things are just like flying by the camera at really fast rates and you kind of get a feel for how fast you're going more than you would with an overhead view and um yeah, anyways, I'm pretty excited about it. It's been a lot of fun to work on, and you know, I don't know if we'll get to talk about it so much because it's like a little contract job, but I'm, uh, I'm having a lot of fun with it, and I'm really enjoying Pixie so far. It's, it's kind of hard because it's like, you know, sometimes you have to take a couple steps backwards to go forwards uh, in the sense that, like, I've had to rewrite a lot of our rendering, not our rendering code because we're using Pixie, but, like, a lot of our kind of, you know, game management, you know, stuff that sets up sprites and things like that. Infrastructure and all that. Right. Yeah, totally. But I think it'll be good in the in the long run. So uh, while I've been kind of working on this contract stuff, you've been adding a bunch of items to a Wizard's Lizard. I have. When Cobalt Streak was streaming, he beat the game. That's the end of that story. <laughs> that wasn't a very exciting story. I was like, what? Really? Wow. I, I would have thought that would take taken longer. I mean, it makes sense. He's He plays games all day, every day. You know, like, he's really good. So he just blasted through the game, and I was like... Well, not only does he play games every day, but he plays a lot of those kinds of games every day. Yeah. So um, we are going to be adding a lot more content. And um, one of the easiest things for us to add is um, gear, like items. Because there's only one graphic. You don't have to worry about animations always and sometimes it's just as simple as adding some json in a graphic and you're done so i did that 12 <laughs> times <laughs> lots of lots of new items uh, and a lot of them are kind of like um they affect each other too so like um in the current version of the game there's demon gear there's like demon helmet demon chest demon gloves demon boots and stuff they're they really don't do anything <laughs> they give you uh, attack boosts but now we have a different case for that. There's spiked armor that gives you attack boosts. And the demon armor serves a different purpose. You collect it, and it makes your demon weapons better, which I think mm. is pretty cool. So if you have, say, a demon sword, it's just a sword. It's not that great. But if you have, um, and, and it like accumulates. So like the more demon gear you have, the more badass the sword is. And by the end, it's like a bouncing, freezing, poisoning sword. That's it's super awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's also pretty clear that we need to add another dungeon or five. <laughs> uh, because uh, something else Cobalt Streak did is he saw all the dungeons in one evening. He saw all five of them. Um, we've already fixed that with uh, the entrance to the Den of Thieves is now different. So in, uh, we meant to fi- fi- uh, fix this earlier, but we didn't make it in for launch. So both secret entrances you just find in dungeons and then you blow up the door and it's easy and you go in and you're done. And that's all you have to do. But now, to get into the Den of Thieves, you have to get a blueprint um, for the key. And then you have to make it yourself and then go buy it. Is that already in the game? Cool. Yeah, it's in the game. Well, I need your help. That's what I thought. <laughs> it's it's not completely working yet. I got as far as I could. And then I was like, all right, this is all working. And I started touching the door. And I'm like, 
Yeah, doors don't react to keys right now like chests do. Yeah, okay. (laughs) So that explains that. Um, That's so, like, it's funny because it's one of those tickets where there's like five subtasks inside of it. And I'm like, close, 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 close. So good. I'm going to close the. No. No. (laughs) So I I need your help to just, like, finish, seal the deal, basically. Um, and there's that shouldn't be hard like that, but yeah, I've just, uh, I was, I was kind of thinking like, like we were saying earlier, I might be working on a different game pretty soonish. And I mean, we need to finish this car game as well. Um, but I'm going to come in and, uh, do all the graphics and polish and stuff at some point. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, it, it's just all a wizard's lizard all the time. Make this game as good as it can be because it's starting to pick up. Totally. Yeah. Traction. I think it's, it's smart, you know, to kind of support the game post launch and, build up a fan base uh you know i think people really respond when you know there's a game that they know uh is going to have updates you know something they can look forward to and mm-hmm. they you know it makes it feel like these things that bother them about the game or that are buggy aren't always going to be that way yeah we've um seen a lot of comments like um in in the streams people were asking like are there going to be updates are there going to be updates mm-hmm. like they really care and uh, I don't know. I, I like adding content. I think this is a fun part of the game, fun part of game development to be in, where all the infrastructure is there. Almost everything that needs to be done is done. It's just it just needs. And it's more, a you know, it's a better monetary situation for us too because it's less work, and it gives us a reason to be noisy about the game, and it improves an existing right. product that people can go and buy. And so, like right. monetarily, it, it's a very smart move for us because. I think we were talking about the other day, like the second we start working on a new game, like we've committed to sinking, you know, 30 to $60,000 into something that we don't, you know, is not ready to be purchased. <laughs> no. And it's untested and we're just not ready to work on the next game. Cause we want the next game to be built on gen three. We want to have certain problems just solved. Um, and we want to, you know, it basically be an API breaking version of our game engine that we want to move forward with and uh it's it's gonna be pretty important to have that in place before we try to hit the ground running on any project that's why i am taking this contract opportunity as a uh excuse to break and prototype new gen yeah because there's nothing like getting something else out of it you know i mean we're getting paid for the contract obviously but you know uh try to like be efficient and indie needs to move things forward on many fronts you can't just be working i mean because like but we we can't just be working on one thing we need to be working on several the first game that we make on gen 3 is going to be an unmaintainable piece of (laughs) no you think so (laughs) we've learned a lot since like uh, our early days uh but it will have a lot of issues like there's still going to be you know the api is going to be in a constant state of flux for the first period of development and so uh, the, whatever game is built concurrently with that is going to suffer from like legacy things, that, ways of doing things that got improved later or whatever. And so it's still interesting to me that people want to use gin. Like we regularly get people asking about it. I mean, part of me is like, that's cool. I mean, that's, that's, I'm glad you're interested. That's, that's cool and everything. But I'm like, wouldn't you want to use something that's done? <laughs> something that's out there. Uh, you know? I mean, yeah. Gin is, is, as it was, gin too is, is usable. Like, but it's, it's very undocumented and, and there's a lot of rough edges. We're going to have our precious tweeting code, right? Yes. Uh, I need to rewrite that. I'm actually going to abstract it away. So I think that one of the big flaws with Jin's view approach oh, yeah. was that the tweening was so tightly coupled to the view stack, um, which is, yeah. you know, in retrospect, not the best way to do it because, um, <clears throat> one, it, it doesn't allow, like, the abstracting will allow for multiple tweens per object pretty easily. Uh, and two, yeah. it'll allow you to tween things that aren't even views. Like, you could... Like, why not tween a game object? Totally. That just... Also, multiple threads. Because, like, right now, each view has its own right. tween. And it's like, I'm doing my thing, man. And if you wanted to tween another way, say you wanted to fall while fading out separately, your right. SOL. There's only one thread, essentially. And if you want multiple threads, the way we do it in the game right now is we create more views. It's pretty much our answer to everything in Jin right now is just throw some more view layers in there and it's but it slows stuff down. It does because like we're talking about the scene graph. Like there's It's more stuff to iterate over. It is. Like every single object you see, every entity you see in a wizard's lizard is at least three views. And in an ideal world it would just be one. Right. 
anyway, it's just more stuff for the code to do, and JavaScript's already uh, spread pretty thin and all that. Right. I think it's one of the reasons I, I like Pixie a lot is that it's a very focused piece of code where it's like it just renders stuff on the screen fast. Right, yeah. It doesn't doesn't really have anything to do with games necessarily, right? It's like I'm just going to give you like the fundamental building blocks of making interactive content on the web. I like how focused it is because if it was a full-featured f- game engine, we would probably be more hesitant right. to use it because we're, like you were saying, we have that built here mentality and we wouldn't like the way it looks or smells and blah 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 but with pixie it's like we don't have to like it we just <laughs> we don't have it. to like it <laughs> no we don't uh, i mean <laughs> it's like uh basically it's like a global object uh that we insert into the page that we can just you know that our code can reference and so we can still write our code using require js and like other stuff like that yes, pretty cool. cool so long story short we're super busy as always with launching and contracts and rewriting bunches of code busy busy it's really interesting i was uh i was really down about just the game and i mean as down as i get which not to say i was like in a depressive hole or anything but like uh before launch i was like starting to feel kind of like exhausted and just burn out with the project and stuff like that and i think putting it out there has really Mm -hmm. given me a renewed sense of motivation (laughs) Motivation is. is important. It comes and it goes. It does. It's fleeting. I think that's all uh, that's all I have. Unless you want to hear me yammer about Pixie some more. <laughs> We're going to post this podcast today. It's Tuesday. Tomorrow at 1 p.m. PST. We're going to do another live game development stream for a couple hours. And then this week, Friday, 8 p.m. PST, join us with Lethal Frag. We're going to... He's going to play Wizard's Lizard, and we're going to be we there. We will answer questions from hordes of people because his channel is very popular. <laughs> right. uh, hope to see you there. Ship it.
two.